Christmas is coming. Do you feel it yet? There are so many things this time of the year that signal to us the wonder and joy of Christmas. And I wonder, what is it for you? For some of us, it's the carols. And it's, it's so good to sing Christmas songs again, to hear them play in the malls. I read recently about someone who was curious enough to find out when exactly do people experience the festivity of Christmas? When is it when people really start to feel Christmassy? And out of a public service to answer this question, this good man built a data-driven diagram using the powers of Google Trends. I present to you the All I Want for Christmas Index of Holiday Cheer. This Mariah Carey song has topped the Billboard charts every Christmas season for the last 11 years. The blue line represents the weekly average Google search interest for this song over the past decade. And as you can see, the graph rises steeply after October. And here we are in the early December, about to start a bullish run towards Christmas Day. You know, for many people, this song is literally the sound of Christmas in the 21st century. But did you know that one of the oldest recorded Christmas songs was written in AD 368, when Christmas started to be celebrated annually as a festival? This is the song of Jesus Refalsit Omnium, Latin for Jesus, Light of the World. And the words of this song that you are hearing right now translate to this. Jesus, devoted Redeemer of all nations, has shone forth. Let the whole family of the faithful celebrate the stories. The shining star gleaming in the heavens makes him known at his birth. You know, Christmas is the celebration of God's light entering the world. And so as we enter this Christmas month, I want to talk to you today about the light of Christmas and how you can have this light in the dark times of your life. Last week at the start of Advent, Mark read to us from Isaiah 9 about the dawning of a great light. As we journey along Advent, this period of preparation, as we celebrate the birth of Christ and await His coming again, we read what this light means for all of us. The words will come up on the screen. I'll read them for you. Isaiah 9, verse 2 to 7. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For us, for to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing it and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you are sovereign and we bless you today. In the darkness of this age that is passing away, we receive the light of your presence. Guide us in our journey and at every step. Amen. Did you know that light is a major theme of the Bible? Light was the first thing that God created. In Genesis 1, at the dawn of creation, God said, let there be light and there was light. 
Light is mentioned in every book of the Bible. Light signals God's power. Habakkuk 3 verse 4 says, and his brightness was as the light. Light is used to describe the importance of God's word. The psalmist says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light on my path. Light is a picture of God's presence. In Exodus, God provided his people a pillar of fire at night to comfort them that he was near. And this is why David said in Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation. And did you know that light played an important part in that first Christmas story? In Luke 2, we are told about a group of shepherds who encountered a dazzling light show in the sky. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. This is the Christmas story. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord Jesus. In the Gospel of Matthew 2, we're told about the Magi from the East searching for the baby Jesus and they are led by an unusually bright star. After they had heard the king, they went on their way and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and worshipped him. You know, the Christmas story is full of light. But the story of Christmas is not just that Jesus is a transcendent light that is distant to us. He is the imminent light that comes to us. He comes to our darkness and overcomes it. So I want to ask you today, are there any areas in your life that could use a little bit of light? Going back to the Isaiah passage in chapter 9 verse 2, we read, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of deep darkness. A light has dawned. This verse tells us three things about living through dark times. Number one, the reality of darkness. Number two, the tenacity of hope. And number three, the victory of Christ. Firstly, we're told to expect the dark days. In John 16 verse 33, Jesus said, In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. You know, it's been said that the first task of every leader is to define responsibility. The last is to say thank you. In between, the leader is a servant. And Jesus defines reality here for us. There is no sugar coating. You see, the Bible doesn't pretend that the world is an easy place to live in. It offers no illusions that things will go the way we want. And in this way, the message of Christmas is the most realistic, believable way of looking at life. It does not say if you ignore the darkness and escape the pains, it will go away. Followers of Christ are called to face darkness. They're not called to face darkness with indifference, but with resistance. Yet Christianity does not pretend that we can defeat darkness on our own. None of us are self-made, but God appointed. Why? because the people walking in darkness need a great light. Jesus said, you should expect dark days in your life. There will be pe people that you can't change, problems that you can't solve, positions that you can't choose. There'll be problems you can't solve and maybe I could be a problem someone else can't solve. There'll be people you can't change. It's been said that the reason people appear bright and smart until they start speaking is because light travels faster than sound. <laughs> 
There will be conflict and challenges with people. And then there are positions that you can't choose. In this passage, the prophet Isaiah prophesies about a people who are carried away into exile against their will and their wishes, losing their freedom. You see, Isaiah was writing to the Israelites in what was a very difficult time of their lives. They faced the invasion of the Assyrians, but also they rejected God over and over again. And the nation of Israel was slowly becoming more and more like Egypt, the very people that God had rescued them from. And so they rejected the light of God and instead were surrounded by deep darkness, misery, and sorrow. Now, have you faced a circumstance that is too overwhelming to manage or a problem that is too complex to comprehend? It's been said that we can only defeat what we can define. And if that's true, then darkness clouds our ability to define reality. It impairs our perspective and pauses our progress. The story of Christmas is that things can get really bad. Like the Israelites facing attack, you may be confronted by a deep darkness. You may be walking in it. It may be a situation around you or a state in you. And if we're honest, in the grand scheme of things, we can't help ourselves or others. The Christmas story says that things really are this dark. But set against this darkness, hope is born in a humble manger. Because the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. We love to pray with people here at HDBB. And a few months ago, a father came up for prayer, not for himself, but for his son. He had only one prayer. Pray for my son who is struggling with depression. He's lost his job. He's struggling with his marriage. He has a young daughter. And we have tried many things, but it is a long and dark road. Over the next few months, a community of friends in HDBB began to pray and support this family. The parents of this man continued to persist in prayer and while supporting their son to do whatever he could in the practical things, like seeking professional help. They believed that God would heal him through the medical profession and through prayer. So they read scripture and asked God to shine his light into the darkness that they couldn't control. His mother wrote a letter with these words. What is depression? Depression is like being caught in a dark tunnel where you see no way out. When our son came down with depression, we as parents had never heard about it. There was so much confusion and fear. We didn't know where to turn to or who to turn to. But those who place their trust in the Lord will not be dismayed or ashamed. God is true to his word. He cares. One day, their son shared with them a Bible verse. And this was the beginning of his healing. As he continued to turn towards the light of Christ, it was as if he began to emerge from this dark tunnel and began to see clearly again. And today, this man's relationship with his family is restored. His marriage is in a good place. He's in a great job. They just welcomed a few months ago their second child, a baby brother to his daughter. And if you ask this family today if there are still challenges, their answer would be, Yes, definitely. But is there light at the end of the tunnel of darkness? Their answer would be, yes, definitely. I wonder if you need a little bit of light in a particular situation. You know, we could all use a little bit of light in this world. You can take heart today. A great light has dawned. Secondly, our passage reminds us about the tenacity of hope. 
In the second part of verse 2, Isaiah 9 says, On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. In the book of Isaiah, the prophet foretells about a time when the nation of Israel would be conquered by the Assyrians, the superpower of the day. And as the invasion begins, the northern tribes would suffer defeat and great loss. It would be as if the lights would be switching off one by one as the freedom of the people would be snuffed out. And notice that Isaiah would at first describe these conquered people as walking in darkness. It says, the people walking in darkness. And then he goes on to say, on those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. This is the people who were at first walking in darkness, away from their freedom, who are now living in the land of deep darkness. This is a picture of living in helpless resignation. The years of defeat and despair would wear on the people that they were now settled in a new reality of darkness. Their eyes would be adjusted to the absence of light, a loss of hope. Their expectations would be lowered to a life of despair, an acceptance of loss. But then we read, on those living in a land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. The same people who were the first to suffer defeat, whose lights were snuffed out, who would be in God's mercy, the first to see the light of the coming King. I wonder if you have ever experienced a sudden burst of light in the darkness. There's almost a sense that you need it, but you don't really want it because you can't control it. Before Jacinta and I got married, we had dated for seven years. We started dating when we were 19. And because we were poor students, we had to be creative about what our gifts to each other could be. We couldn't afford anything flashy. So one of my very first gifts to her was a pair of broken drumsticks. I had just played drums that day and I accidentally snapped two sticks while playing. And I thought, you know, maybe she would like a souvenir as an evidence for how strong I was. So she excitedly took them, brought them home, and promptly threw them away. When it was time to propose to her, I decided that I would really need to up the ante. I would really need to do something special for her. Broken drumsticks wouldn't do. I needed to work hard to wow her. So I organized Project Precious Stone. I saved enough money to buy her a nice ring. And then I brought our friends together, you know, put together the most elaborate proposal experience. It involved seven stations of love. Yes, I'm sorry, I'm really corny. Uh, our, our friends helped us to decorate each station with something to remember our journey so far. There was a station where we did a skit, a station where we sang a song, a station where I did a, a really bad Loon Bawang dance with some of my guy friends still today. I don't know how Jacinta sat through all of that. Then came the final station, station number seven. I blindfolded Jacinta, held her by the hand, took her on a walk towards a beautifully decorated hut. Our friends had decorated the hut with 10 meters worth, 10 meters long of Christmas lights. And they made a signboard with the words, say yes. And then I asked her to take a seat. I got down on one knee, I took out the ring, and I gave her the most beautiful speech. And then as I took off her blindfold, I said the words, will you marry me? But there wasn't an answer. In fact, Jacinta looked away from me and said four words no man would ever want to hear at a proposal. My eyes, my eyes. Our friends started to lower their signboards. I soon realized that by this point, Jacinta had not seen any light for 30 minutes, being blindfolded. And so when we removed it, it wasn't me whom she saw, 
but the bright Christmas lights. And they were beautiful, but they also were blinding in the darkness. So she turned her eyes to something easier on the eye, the ring. There is something tenacious about light. It makes visible what is valuable and it makes evident what is necessary. Light has a quality about it that makes it essential, but not always comfortable. And light will shine wherever it is pointed at. The hope of Christmas is that the light of God has dawned on us. God shines His light at us. You don't have to walk or live in darkness. He is waiting on the other side of the blindfold. But how does this make a difference to us? There are three ways that light can make a difference to us. Number one, light shines the way. Number two, light shows the truth. And number three, light supplies life. Light shines the way forward. We need light to see where we're going. In Isaiah 42, verse 6 to 7, we read, I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and make you to be a covenant for the people and a light to the Gentiles. Why? To open eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison, and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. Do you today feel that you're in the dark? Do you feel confused about where to go? The promise of Isaiah is that the Lord will give you sight and light the path of the way that you should take. Number two, light shows the truth. Psalm 19 verse 8 says, The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. Do you need new perspective in a challenging time? The Word of God gives light to the eyes. You can know the truth and the truth will set you free. Number three, light supplies life. Nothing can grow without light. Every plant is dependent on it. And so every living creature needs light. In John 1 verse 4, it says, In Him, Jesus, was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. So do you feel stuck in your growth, stopped in your progress? The light of Jesus brings growth. The light of Christ doesn't just reveal what is there in the present, but reproduces what is good into the future. And the Christmas hope is that light has dawned upon those living in the land of deep darkness. Notice that it doesn't say light has emerged from the land, it doesn't come from us, but that light has dawned upon the land. It comes from outside ourselves. It was Tim Keller who wrote, Christmas contains many spiritual truths, but it will be hard to grasp the others until we grasp this one first. That is, that the world is a dark place and we will never find our way or see reality until Jesus is our light. So how do we face dark days? First, expect the reality of darkness. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. Second, embrace the tenacity of hope. Jesus said, take heart on those living in the land of deep darkness, a great light has dawned. And third, Look forward to the victory of Christ. Jesus said, I have overcome the world. Unlike Star Wars, the dark side never wins. At the beginning of John's gospel, as the writer begins to paint a picture of this long-awaited Messiah, he begins with these words. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, 
and the darkness has not overcome it. This word, this, this word here refers to logos, which means logic, order, or definition. Jesus is the message, the logic, the word of God. But why was he called the word? Well, the simplest way to understand that is that in the same way our words explain our minds and our nature to others, so too does Jesus, the Son of God, sent to the world, explain his Father's mind to the world. If you want to know how God is like, you need only to look at Jesus. He was there in the beginning. He was with God as a person of the Trinity. He is God who made everything. And as you know this word, you experience the light of life. His light will illuminate your life and renew your mind. His light shows the way in a world searching for purpose, reveals the truth in a world searching for answers and supplies life in a world searching for strength. His light is inextinguishable. It's indispensable. It's undeniable. The darkness cannot overcome it. Every year we celebrate Christingle, a little tradition that began in a small town in Germany in the 1700s. And here at HTBB, the children at CHTBB are making this Christingle oranges today. Christingle means Christ's light. And I, I know it looks a little bit like an alien spaceship, but each of these elements means something special. Uh, the orange represents the world. The red ribbon around the orange goes around the world. It's a symbol of the sacrifice Jesus paid for us when he died for us. The four sticks of sweets remind us of the fruits of the earth, God's goodness to the world. And here, in the middle of the world, the candle stands strong, stands tall, representing the light in the darkness that is the victory of Christ. You know, every time the children make this, it's a reminder that on that first Christmas, Jesus came to us in the quiet of the night. A reminder that the light of the world comes to us in the humble and distant and secret places of our lives. Jesus said, I have come to the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. I love Church Online because we are connected to people we don't get to meet. In May this year, someone in Singapore was tuning in to a church service that Wendy, one of our worship leaders, was leading in. And this man was alone in his hotel room on a business trip. It was the morning and he was getting ready for work. And so he decided to put church online on as he began to shower and get ready for the day. As he walked out of the shower, he slipped on a wet floor. He fell really badly so that his neck hit the threshold of the door. Later on, the doctors found out that a significant part of his neck was broken. He would have lost his life there if he hadn't received treatment in time. There on the ground, he laid paralyzed, completely unable to move. His vision began to black out. It was as if the darkness was taking over. He was about to pass out in a toilet in a hotel room all alone. But just then, on church online, the worship songs began to play. There in church, as Wendy led worship that day, she sang this line repeatedly, there is healing in the name of Jesus. And he describes it like this, as he laid there on the verge of passing out, with his vision literally starting to black out. Every time that line was sung, there is healing in the name of Jesus. The darkness threatening to cloud his vision would be pushed back again, and he would regain his vision again. And this kept going on for a while. 
Miraculously, his friends felt it strange that he wasn't there at the meeting. And after a few failed attempts at calling him, they had the good sense to get the hotel staff to break the door down. And there they found him, worshipping and waiting for his rescue. You see, there is no evil too dark that God's light cannot pierce through. There is no shadow too big that God's light cannot overcome. There is no valley too deep that God's love cannot reach. At the first Christmas, the light of Christ entered a dark and broken world. And if you wonder how much God loves you, you need only to look at the gift of His Son and the journey that He took for you. This Christmas, remember the plains where the shepherds encountered His light. Go with the Magi who encountered the light of the star of Bethlehem. Meditate upon the mystery that is the child in the manger, the light of the world, the Word of God made flesh, coming to us as a helpless baby. And as we gaze at the awe of His light and wonder, we will be forever transformed because sorrow may last for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Amen? Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you are the light of the world. We thank you for your great love. We thank you that you came to us in our darkness and today we receive your light. Wherever you are, you may want to open your hands out um, as a posture of openness to say, Holy Spirit, I receive what you have for me. Fill me right now. And we pray that simple ancient prayer. Come, Holy Spirit. Fill us now, we pray. Amen.